here and you guys don't laugh at my jokes, but I got crickets too? Come on, guys. That's, that's just rude. That's got Ben written all over it. Now, who makes the cricket sounds? Is it you or is it it's your dad? Your dad makes the cricket sounds. Anyways, it's a mystery. But anyways, so update. We have some, per, um, so um, got a word back from Brother Josh, and Amanda's doing okay. She's just, and um, she's at the hospital, but the baby's fine. So praising God for that. Thank you for praying. Keep praying for her. She's not, they're not sure exactly what was going on yet. We'll get some tests here in a little bit and find out for sure. And in uh, Hebrews chapter number one, um, last week we just talked about how God gave us his word and how God spake to us in times past. And I'm glad we have a more sure word of prophecy that we can, we do, we take wise that we do take heed to it. So thanking God for the word of God. Then it also talks about here in verse number three, in verse number two, I'm not going to hit major on this doctrine. It's a good thing to study on, but I'm not going to go through every single doctrine and every single verse. That'll take us forever. So in verse number two, it says, he hath in these last days, um, hath, or he, right? In these past days, these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. So we know that he appointed heir, he was appointed heir of all things. We also find that Jesus was there in the beginning. He actually, you know, Jesus was there as, as part of the creation, as being the creator of the world, right? Verse number three, who being the brightness of his glory, God's glory, and the express image of his person, God's person, and the upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by him, when he had by himself purged our sins. Didn't say he did it most of the way. We have to repent of him the rest of the way. The Bible says he himself purged our sins. He alone is our savior. And I know sometimes, you know, especially the new believers, they get out there, oh yeah, well, Eka saved me. Well, no, 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 no. Eka didn't save you. God saved you. Jesus saved you. You know, we know, we know, I know we're careful to say that, but with new believers, even then, it's like, look, I understand what you're saying. Don't be all pseudo-pharisaical, but I'm like, wait a second. No, well, wait, wait, wait. Don't misunderstand. I didn't save you. God saved you. And I said, that's kind of strange. Well, no, Paul and, and, and uh, Barnabas, you remember, they were out there, or Paul and Silas, they, Paul and Barnabas, they came out and they're going to worship Paul and Barnabas. They're going to come out and try worshiping them as well. And they were like, whoa, whoa, no, no, whoa, whoa, no. We're men of men, we're men of like passing just as you are. Don't sell don't worship us. So I think it's good to deter personal praise. It's good to deter people, you know, saying how great of a person we are. The Bible says, let another man praise you, not the fruit of their own lips. So it's okay to receive compliments. If you've done something right, praise God for it. You know, praise God that you were that God allowed you to be the person that did something good, that you were the vessel that God used. Praise God for that. And don't don't be so like, okay, well, hey, so-and-so did a good job preaching. Oh, no, 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 no. All glory goes to God. Then this becomes a vain humility. You know, it becomes vain, vain humility. But we ought to seriously get to the place where we give the glory to God over every little thing. Well, praise God. Praise the Lord. But it's also okay for people to compliment you, for people to praise you and thank you for doing good. Because if it gets to the place where you never, and you want to, we ought to be careful of this too, because we want people to praise one another for doing good things. We want to honor people for doing good things. Those that labor and word, you know, they want, hey, they did a good job studying this week. Thank you for putting that sermon together. Hey, this coming week, I'm not going to, you know, next Sunday, I'm not going to be here, right? So, hey, when Gabriel or Daniel or Eka or Aaron or whoever's preaching up here or Josh or Ben, whoever's going to be up here preaching, you want to be like, hey, man, thank you for putting that sermon together. Thank you for studying it out. Thank you for, for 
you know, putting, you know, for putting the time in for it. That was a blessing. Thank you. Let the, per- let the person know it's, 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 it's miserable when you're trying to do something right for the Lord or at work or anything else. And there's nothing. If all you ever hear is the negative side of things, that's miserable. I mean, you know, the, the, the Proverbs 31 woman, the virtuous woman, right? The Bible says her children rise up and call her blessed. The Bible says the husband, her husband praiseth her. There's nothing wrong with being praised. There's nothing wrong with getting a little bit of attention and gratitude. It's nothing wrong with having a little bit of letting people recognize you for your hard efforts. Nothing's wrong with that. Anybody here have, like, at work, you'd like to maybe hear from the boss every once in a while, good job? Thanks. Wow, wow you came in extra. You came in early. You left late. Man, you did your best. You, you worked your hardest. You, wait, you left until the job was done. You, the job looks great. looks fantastic. High customer satisfaction. Boy, man, that's great. Good job. I would love to hear that once in a while. But you know a lot of times what we hear? Well, you could have done this better. Well, yeah, I could have done it better. And I'm growing into that, but what about a little praise? A little bit of, hey, where's a little bit of appreciation? And I'm glad that we can have that. But the Bible says here that Jesus Christ purged our sins by himself. He's the expressed person of God's image. So you want to know what God, what God the Father looks like in all of his fullness as far as who he is as a person? You find it in Jesus Christ. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. Verse number four. Being so much more, being so, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now, here's a problem. A lot of times, I shouldn't say a problem, here's a catch. A lot of times we're reading scripture and like, for instance, it says here, um, it says, and again, I will make, to, I'll make him to be a father, I'll be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And it says in verse number six, and again, when he bringeth, the, in the, when he bringeth in the first begotten to the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. That phrase is not found in scripture. It's not found. That can get distur- discouraging, right? What do you do when the Bible quotes things that aren't scripture the book of enoch the lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints it's not found in the book of enoch in the book of enoch's not in our, in our scripture and it's not taken to the gnostic books or to the other writings and saying these things ought to be scripture but aren't you glad that there is other things out there that people could tie into as reference points and bring it about to the same thing i mean jesus did the same thing jesus quoted back some some scenarios that were not found in scripture and just because Jesus quotes it doesn't make it scripture. Okay? He quotes things that are for the world around them, that the world around them knew, but it doesn't make it scripture. That's something that the Gnostics like to hang on to. That's something that the people who are always seeking, oh, there's more out there than what the Bible says. There's more than the Bible than what we have. We don't have the complete Bible. That's something they like to throw in your face. Can I tell you this? You don't, we have what's written. And the Bible says in, in John, that if, if we had everything that Jesus said or done, if we had everything that Jesus said, said or did written, the, world's cannot, the world could not contain the books. So there's going to be more stuff out there, but we're not held accountable to those other books. We're held accountable to these 66 right here, to these 66 in my notes. We have, we're accountable to this held right here. This is what we're held accountable to. Nothing more, nothing less. So... Don't let the Gnostics tie you up saying, oh, you got to have this much more and this much more and 
this commentary and this chart and this video, and you don't need to mess with all that. But it starts talking about in verse number, <coughs> verse number seven, and of the angels he saith, who maketh his, his angels spirits and ministers of, of a flame of fire. But unto the sun he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. So he's going back and talking about these angels and referring to angels. And angels are a good thing to study out. However, I know a lot of times people worship angels and they pay so much attention to angels. I love it when someone tells me that their child is an angel. It makes me laugh because they're thinking the angel that they have is the one that's still in heaven. <laughs> but in reality, the angel that they have is the one that's coming from <laughs> underneath the earth. The, the kids are not perfect little kids. The, no one has a perfect child, right? But angels are, mess angels are God's messengers. And, of course, we know that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. So the purpose that we have as angels, yes, they're ministers for us. They're ministers to us, but they're also messengers of God and they're ministers of God. They first take place and worship the Lord in heaven. And we have those watching over us as well. So that we understand that we understand some things. First of all, angels are God's messengers. Revelation chapter one, verse one. Now, I understand that there's different times that angels is mentioned. For instance, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, he starts speaking about the angel and the angels of the church. Now, this is Deleloism, okay? So bear with me when I say this. But you know in John where Jesus told, what Jesus, or even Matthew for that matter, when Jesus comes and the centurion comes to him and says, hey, my servant is sick and Jesus is going to go to his house. And he says, don't come to my house. I'm not worthy of it. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. I've got servants under me. I'm paraphrasing this. I've got servants underneath me. And I just tell them to go do this. And they do it. So just say the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, wow. He said, Jesus said, I marvel. I have not found so great of Israel. And so much, so great in faith. Not all of Israel. He says, look, this guy gets it. He understood the authority that was in heaven is the same authority that the Roman government had as far as a structure. Or saying, I'm in charge of you. You go do what I'm telling you to do. And he says, I'm perceiving that's the same thing as how it is in heaven. Having said that, if that's how God sets up his, thing, his authority, where he's in charge of the angels, he dispatches the angels to take care of us, Psalms 91, he'll send his angels that we'd lesser, you know, keep thee, to keep charge of thee, lest um, thou dash our foot against a stone, right? We read that, you know, Psalms 91, and also in the temptation of Christ. That's blowing the thing behind me, it's annoying me. So in Psalms 91, it addresses that also in Matthew chapter 4. And Matthew chapter 4 addresses that same focus is there, that the angels are there to keep charge over us, to help keep, to help keep task of us. God sent angels to go get the body of Moses, right? So we know that there's, I believe that the same setup is the same thing of how we see in heaven, that angels are dispatched and they have angels assigned to different things and different things. I believe that Satan is the great counterfeiter. So we already know that, right? Anything that God has, he's got the duplicate of it. So if God has a, has a ranking system, if God has an authority set up within, with angels in heaven, I believe that two-thirds of the angels that Satan took with him, third, oh my goodness, I can't keep track. The angels that fell with, with, with Satan, they also honor that same authority structure. 
You remember in Daniel, what Daniel is praying, and he's asking for an answer to this prayer. And the Bible says that Michael, was the, um, the angel has come to, to give him the message. I believe it was Gabriel. But the Bible doesn't say it. I don't think his name specifically. But he came to give them that message. But he said he was withstood by the prince of Prussia or the prince of Persia. Do you really think that some guys up there, some king, some physical king is stopping an angel? It's not what happened. The Bible says that there's bring that, that he just said the Lord rebuked thee and Michael came to fight against him. Who is an archangel came to fight against it. So there was a war going on. But I believe just as Satan, just as God has an angel over the church, I believe Satan also has a messenger that attacks the church, that has that messenger of Satan that buffets us, that attacks us as a church. Revelation chapter one, again, that's something you're not going to find. I'm not going to fight someone over. I'm not going to die on that hill. I'm not going to go make myself, you know, go out on a limb and just say this is mandatory doctrine. But it says in Revelation chapter one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto, God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by, the, by his angel unto his servant John. Angel is a small a, right? So it's a small a, which is a, it's not referring to Christ. It's referring to a smaller, like an inferior authority, either a person or an actual angel from heaven. And it says here in verse number two, who bore, who bore, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Then skip down to verse number, <clears throat> verse number uh, two. Now ah, go back to verse chapter one and verse twenty. We'll go there first. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in thy right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So he's giving symbolism of what he's seeing here, and one of these things he mentions is there's angels. There's the angel of these churches. So he's talking about seven candles, seven stars, and of the angels of seven churches, and seven candlesticks. Seven churches. So I believe there's probably individual pastors of that individual church. Now, I believe that the pastor that is mentioned here in chapter 2, verse 1, and each time he writes to the church, he says, unto the angel of the church. And unto the angel of the church, I believe that he's writing it to the angel of the church. I believe he's talking about to the messenger of the church, that would be the pastor. Not that I have wings. I more have more like horns and not halos, okay? But I'm talking about, I believe that when he's talking about a messenger, he's talking about people himself. I also believe that there's, there's just as Satan sets up principalities over cities and over governments, I believe there's also a demon that's been assigned to a local church. Again, I can't prove that from scripture, but I believe that if Satan has a direct opposite that Christ, that God has, I believe there is a messenger of Satan that buffets us. There's a messenger of Satan that affects our church, that affects our city. And he tries to afflict us. He tries to bother us. But I do believe also that he's bound from the, he's bound when two or three are, two or three are gathered in, together in, nine, in, in God's name. When he's bound in the fact that he can't, first of all, he can't, he can't possess us. Aren't you glad for that? But he sure can bother us and pastor us. But I believe that when we pray and ask God to protect our service, to help us and worship him, to put Christ first. And if we can literally throughout the week plead the blood of Christ on our service and ask God's power on our services, I believe that that spirit is majorly hindered. Again, I can't prove it from scripture saying that there's no verse 
two are contradicting it. I'm just saying I believe that's how a setup is there. I do believe that there are angels overseeing governments in this world today, overseeing cities, overseeing um, states, overseeing nations. I believe that with all my heart. They're prevalent everywhere, the prince and power of the air. I believe that. Another thing we have to understand, too, when it comes to about angels is they're not God. People look at angels as being some great thing. They pray to angels. There are people out there who pray to angels. I remember back in the 80s and 90s, back in, at least when I was a kid, we, we watched TV after it was like 10 years out, the run, reruns are on. Um, for instance, we watched uh, Highway to Heaven. Anyone ever watch Highway to Heaven with Michael Landon? Right? And we only watched it because Mr. Ingalls and, and Mr. Edwards. The only reason why we got to watch it. And that thing was a crazy mixed up show, really crazy. And Michael was going on there, you know, whatever. So, so there's always, there's an angel. Then I remember right after that, they came out with Roma Downey and Touched by an Angel. How many of you ever watched that one? Yeah, okay, the, the altar's open. But it's like, we watched that as well. When, it, when you think about even movies like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? It's a Wonderful Life. And you got Clarence trying to earn his wings. And everything's got a, such a push towards angels. And there's actually, like, Catholics will actually pray towards the angels and they do that thinking that saints are become angels. And they're praying and asking the angels to protect us. Saints preserve us. Ever hear that phrase before? Oh, saints preserve us. They're praying for the dead departed that are now considered angels to protect us. Halloween is like the devil's holiday. And they usually put it out uh, um, November 1st. If you look at some calendars, it's called All Saints Day. And one celebrates the devil. The next day, November 1st, was supposed to celebrate the saints that protected us against the ghosts and goblins and ghouls that came across in Halloween. But that's all part of it, all synonymous, especially when you hear saints pervert, preserve us, not pervert us, saints preserve us. It's tying back to like England, Ireland, Scotland. It's very, very heavily prominent with that, with Anglo-Saxon nonsense. And this is kind of a holiday that's got passed on, especially the Druids and things like that. But they're not God, and they don't get prayed to. There's a book over here um, Deborah was giving me, and it's, they're literally praying to all the different saints. And they're praying to St. John the Baptist. They're praying to John. They're praying to all these people over baptism when they're doing, like, infant baptism. And it's a Catholic book, and it's sitting over there. It's unbelievable. And she was showing me that. I was like, I've never seen that before in my life. But it was, like, really weird. I was like, you're reading it, and like, wow, this is steeped-up nonsense. And when someone comes and says, well, I got baptized as a Catholic, no wonder they have a hard time getting rid of their self-righteousness and they're tied to the religion. Because they're told as an infant, hey, you got baptized into the Catholic Church. Even for that matter, Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, anybody who, infant, who, practi who practices infant baptism does the same exact thing. Does the same exact platforms because they're trying to tell, okay, now that you've been baptized into this faith, you're okay. You're good to go. You're safe, you're safe because you're X, Y, and Z. Even for those that believe in baptism, it opens a door to understand even more about water baptism. The Campbellites, you know, the Church of the Church of Christ, those who believe that water baptism is necessary for salvation, or that it washes away sin. They believe these things because it's been taught, passed on through the Catholic doctrine. We don't get saved by being baptized. Aren't you glad for that? But they get all mixed up from that in, from that angle. Anyways, they're not. It's not how God established it. They are part of a created order. They are not the creator. In Colossians chapter 1, in Colossians chapter 1, we find Jesus Christ is the creator. 
They're not part of the created order. Sorry, they are part of the created order, not the cre not the creator. Excuse me. Verse number 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. That principalities are authorities, spiritual authorities or spiritual, um, spiritual um, authority structures, right? Or powers or things or um, all things were created by him and for him. So it says that he is he's the one that created all things. All things were created by him and for him. So angels didn't have part in creation. But Mormons, there are some Mormons out there that actually believe that angels actually took part in creation. And I don't know how they get this stuff. I don't know how they get a hold of it. But think about all the different religions out there that are so emphasized heavily on worship of angels. You got Mormonism. Angel came. Angel of Mor Moron. I mean, Morani. Mor Mor Moroni came and spoke to, John, to, to Joseph Smith. You've got the angels that came to um, Muhammad in the caves, an angel. you got all these different angels that come and tell me, oh, what's her name? What's the one, the Southern, Southern, Seventh-day Adventist, uh, Mary Becky, Mary Becky, Mary, huh? Yeah, and then Ellen G. White, and then there's Mary ba Baker Eddy, which was with whatever, science, Christian science, whatever it was. So all these different things, they have angels come and tell them. Or some supernatural vision, Brigham Young. Hey, I saw 90-foot Jesus. Did you really? How much pepperoni was on that pizza? I mean, just wondering. Just got to ask. Did you kick over mushrooms while you're walking in the woods? I just got to ask, all right? What was, what's got you so high for seeing a 90-foot Jesus? But they're all part of a created order. They are, sub they are subject to judgment for wrongdoing. They're going to be judged for their wrongdoing. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, in 2 Peter chapter 2, Now, when it comes to pecking orders, you think about this. The Bible says man is made a little lower than the angels. Second, second um, Hebrews chapter 2, it says we're made a little lower than the angels. That's what man is, right? We're made a little lower than the angels. The Bible says Jesus was made lower than the angels. So Jesus was made man for us, flesh and blood, skin and bone, okay, made for us. He was made lower than the angels. He was above the angels. So in the pecking order, angels have a higher authority over us. They've got, you know, we're, we're, they're of a higher esteem than what, they're a higher structure than what we are, yet the Bible says we're going to judge them. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4, <clears throat> the Bible says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved to the judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world by the, um, of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example for those that should have lived ungodly and del delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Um, for, that, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Um, with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver them, the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust into the day of judgment to be punished. So he says, verse number 11, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. 
So there's going to be people out there, verse number 10, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. So he says, if God knows how to judge, the, how to, you know, per, per, to spare his, the godly out of temptations and to, re, to, to reserve the unjust until they have judgment to be punished, but there's going to be those among them that are just walking disorderly, presumptuous, and angels, which are greater in power and might, they don't even bring rallying accusations against them. They literally don't bring those rallying accusations before the Lord. They give them to the Lord to then to execute vengeance. Why do we believe that if we have less power than the angels, that we can have more authority than the angels when we can rebuke someone else for preaching a false doctrine or trying to expose them and, and rail on them? I'm okay with, hey, this is what the false doctrine is and preaching a false doctrine and saying this is what's wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But bringing out railing accusations before them, the angels don't even do that, and they have more might than we do. And they don't. That's something telling, isn't it? That's something telling for us to, to pay attention to. Jude chapter number one. A lot of times we just kind of, a lot of times people just kind of take off and run with it. Look like how much powerful I am. What, what, what authority do you have? By what reason do you have that? Angels are more mighty than we are, and they don't do that. I'm not saying we shouldn't rebuke false doctrine. I'm not saying we shouldn't make it known, but to rail, to rail accusations, angels don't even do that. Jude chapter 1, it says in verse number 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitations, have he reserved in, ever, in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So he says, again, angels are going to be judged, and we're going to judge angels. We understand that we're going to be judging angels. And we also know that Christ is far superior to the angels. Although he was made a little bit lower than the angels, he was exalted high above angels when he rose again. So and I, when it's in, his, in his spiritual body, when, his, you know, when, he, when, he received, when he went back to heaven and got his glorified body. So they were made a little lower than the angels. Um, I want to show this, you know, angels, people say that they've got to be worshipped, or they've got to pray to them, and we've got to uphold them. But we get so mystified by angels that we actually violate the, the first commandment, that shall know their gods before me. That shall know their graven images. And a lot of times people were, go out and they got angels everywhere. Every, everyone to a Catholic person yard, and they got Mary in the bathtub, right, half-buried half bathtub. There's Mary in that, whatever it's called. I, call it, I don't know what it's called. I'm not trying to be rude. I don't know what it's called, but it looks like Mary in a bathtub. You know, it's half shrined over. That's what it is. The lady behind us at her house in Haines City, she, you know, when we were in Florida, she actually buried a bathtub halfway under, painted it blue with white and on the side, and put a statue of Mary in it. I'm like, it was a bathtub. I literally saw her put the bathtub in the ground. So it's literally a bathtub. I don't know what it's called. I don't know the name of it's called. But um, they always have angels everywhere. Angels everywhere. Angels, 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 angels. It's annoying. That's another reason why I can't cheer for any team for Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the Angels, is, is ungodly. Can't cheer. Just kidding. We have a family. We have a family thing going on with the in-laws, Crystal side of the family, and they're all like, "Yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays. We're going to win the World Series, and it's God's team." And of course, everybody says Tyler Lasorda said that the Dodgers were God's team. You know, back when he was the coach for the Dodgers, and there's always that bantering back and forth with the Dodgers and the, and the Rays are in the World Series. 
and it's just been going back and forth. Though the Rays are so great, they're, they're the best team, and I'm like, the series is tied at two apiece. I mean, it's they're kind of equal right now. They're, they're, the teams are kind of even right now. You know, there's no one team blowing out the other. It's 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 a it's it's a close series. But um, I don't get him. I mean, has everyone ever watched the movie Angels in the Outfield? No, that's a good homework assignment. Angels in the Outfield. You know, I'm not saying that's how it, that's I'm not saying that's what it usually does, but it could happen. But um, go to, if you would go to First uh, Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three. Some people say angels deserve respect. We're supposed to honor them. That we're supposed to yield to them. That we're supposed to be mindful of them. We are supposed to be mindful to entertain angels unawares. But I don't believe it's talking about angels as far as wings, ministers of God, holy, 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 seraphim, cherubim. I don't believe it's that. I believe it's talking about angels that are messengers unaware. We're supposed to, um, we're supposed to um, be mindful to entertain them, right? So be careful who we, who we, who we invoke God's wrath on unjustly. First Peter chapter 3. Look at verse number 21. The like figure unto you even baptism doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So we see angels are again listed there that they are subject to God. They're under the authority of God. And some people sit back and they literally want to take angels and put them at, at the same token the same level as god the father and it's not it's not ought to be we're not supposed to worship them at all we do know that angels are god's they're there for for um to support they're there to sub, to, to strengthen they're there to help us in the time of need we see that in psalms 91 we see that again with christ's temptation chapter 4 verse 10 angels came and ministered unto jesus nothing's wrong with that the angels of heaven celebrate Angels of heaven celebrate. There's joy in the midst of heaven. There's joy in the midst of angels in heaven. There's joy in the midst of angels when someone gets saved. I don't believe it's the angels themselves rejoicing. Some people say that as well. I don't believe the angels lift up, lift up their wings and dance around the sinner's been found. They don't. They look. They look into it and scratch their head and saying, "I don't understand this. Why would God, the one we serve, go and be made less than what they less than what we are, and die a, a violent death for these people?" And they can't comprehend it. They look into things and wonder. They don't look into salvation to get a clear grasp. They don't even understand it. They look in and wonder. They don't get it. They don't get the clear picture like we do. Gnostics in times past worshipped angels as intermediaries between God and humans. So a lot of times they, they, they would worship angels. Or that an angel would supersede what was already previously told us. Go to Colossians chapter, um, um, Galatians chapter number, uh, Galatians 1. I'm going to turn to Colossians 2 real quick. Colossians chapter 2, verse number uh, 18. The Bible says this, Let no man beguile you of, um, of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he have, see, have not seen, Vainly puffed up out of his fleshly mind, up by his fleshly mind, and holding not the head, capital H, from which all the body, um, by joints and bands, have nourishment, had nourishment ministered and knit, and knit together, increased with the with increase of God. 
So he says, don't let these people trip you up. Don't let, the, don't let these, these vain traditions, don't let these, this voluntary humility and worship of angels, don't let it trick you out. We're not supposed to worship angels. We're not supposed to worship them. We're supposed to worship the Lord. But some people actually take, well, well the angel said it. It's, you know, the angel said it above and beyond what was given to me before. Then obviously the angel's right because that's an angel from heaven. It's supernatural. Well, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, and it says in verse number 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than which ye have received, which we preach unto you, let him be accursed. So he says, if an angel comes and preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. When Mary was approached by Gabriel and told, hey, you're a virgin, you're going to be with a child. It wasn't something new, unfounded from scripture. The angel was relying a message and telling her the prophecy that was fulfilled and that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 is going to be filled in you, Mary. She, he, did, he didn't come up with a special new revelation, uh, something that wasn't found through scripture. And that people want to worship angels. They want to hold that what angel says. And they're hoping that a messenger, that some supernatural message from heaven is going to outsource what the Bible has clearly said. And it's twisted. It's twisted. At the end time, oh, let, me, let me go I can say this real quick. God consigns sinful angels to hell and darkness unto the judgment. Some angels are tied up. They're bound. They're bound in heaven. Some are. Some aren't. Some angels are bound. Some, you know, we're not. Angels aren't walking around. The disobedient angels. Not. They're not all walking around. Some are reserved to judgment. Some are in chains. Some are there. At the end of time, of course, we know. In, you know, you should say it, at the end of time. In the Revelation, excuse me, the dragon, Satan, and his angels will make war against against Michael and his angels, and they're going to try going against against God. But they're not going to they're not going to prevail, and they're not going to find a home back in heaven because they're going to be thrown out. We find that in Revelation chapter twelve. So they're going to be cast out. But the angels they have a, they have a free will. Angels have a, have a will. They can choose if they're going to obey God or not. And they chose to dis- they, There's there's angels that chose to disobey God. And to follow Satan. There was angels that did that. Now angels have a beginning, and they have and they have they have an ending. They're gonna some are gonna be put some are gonna be put in everlasting darkness and be put to death. They're gonna die. We, so we understand that about angels. But angels are not meant to be worshipped. We also understand that angels they're not supposed to be like out of our way trying to go out of our way to push them over the edge either. I mean. Ever hear like a garden angel? Do you ever remember hear about like a guardian angel? I mean, I saw this one thing. I said, "Make the guardian angel work for his money." It was on. A, it was on. A, it was in the back of like extreme, like ex- extremes, um, extreme sports, like bumper sticker for extreme extreme sports, and it had it said, "Make your garden, make your guardian angel work for his money." I just found it kind of funny. Some people though, they live their life by that, and they're going to do everything they can to chase people. Like, okay. I'm going to give you angels charge with you. And that's what something that Satan liked to do with, with Christ, by the way. I'll close with this one. That's something that Satan tried doing with Christ. Was like, hey, you've got angels charge over thee. Jump out, take, take a nosedive off this pinnacle. Remember what he talked about? And I know, obviously, I'm paraphrasing that. But he says, hey, he takes him to the pinnacle and says, cast thyself down. Angels will stop you. Angels will keep you from, from hurting yourself, lest I dash your foot against a stone. And he misinterpreted scripture. He misused scripture to bring that point across. Angels aren't supposed to be challenged to see how lucky we can go. At the end of the day, it's God that protects us. But we do have angels. And I'm not saying we ought to be like we're not going to worship angels. But we also sit back and like, 
there may be angels unaware that we have to take mind of, that we have to be mindful of. We never know who that, it could be that, I believe there are angels that we can sometimes see that things happen. I've used this illustration before, and I, I, it, I remember it like it sticks in the back of my mind like forever and ever and ever. We were in Syracuse. My dad was going to work. We were driving the car, and this guy wanted a ride. It was like no one around for miles. No one's around. It was freezing cold outside. My dad's like, he's a hitchhiker. I'm picking him up. I go, okay. Got in the, jumped in the back seat. The guy got in the front. We're driving down the road. The guy took off his hat. He's like, oh, thank you very much, man. It's so cold out there. Thank you so much. No problem. Great. My dad's like, hey, we're going to McDonald's. You want anything to eat? My, dad, my guy's like, yeah, sure. My dad got him Egg McMuffin. I go, okay, cool. The guy ate McMuffin. He, he, he took his Egg McMuffin with him. And he's like, okay, I need to get out here by the courthouse. Okay. He got out by the courthouse, and he, was, and he walked up the street. He was walking up the street. There's nowhere he could have gone. Nothing was open. We turn that corner. We come back around. The guy's gone. Well, I was like, that was weird. My dad's like, that could have been an angel. The Bible says, you know, we're supposed to entertain angels, you know, you know, less, you know, you could be entertaining angels unawares. I'm misquoting the verse. And I was like, whoa, that could have been an angel. And it stuck in my mind. It stuck in my head. And I'm not saying that every hitchhiker we ever pick up is going to be that. I'm not saying that at all. It's like, hey, angel, yeah. <laughs> Hell's angel, yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, you pick up a hitchhiker. You're like, yeah, you sit in the front seat. I'll be sitting in the back seat with a, with a, with my gun loaded. You know, if anything, let me know. You know, but some people are literally afraid of that. I've seen you know we've seen horror stories of picking up hitchhikers, but I'm like sometimes you be, you may you may be entertaining angels, and I understand that entertaining angels not just talking about a heavenly being, it's talking about you may be picking up a messenger that God doesn't that God is sending you along, a messenger of God that may be coming along your way. Man, I'm having trouble talking. But angels, they're not they're not to be they're not having that worship, and I think. There's so many people out there. How many times do we see it in our own churches, among even independent Baptists? There's such a draw towards angels. For instance, there was one guy. There was I remember when I was growing up, they had a past, they had a question answer um, Bible study on Sundays and Sunday nights. The pastor was like, "Okay, we're gonna have a question and answer time." And lady got up there in church. I was like five or six at the time, maybe five. And this lady raised up her hand and she sat towards the back and she was not always like the faithful Christian. And she goes, what about angels? Can you preach a sermon about angels? What do angels look like? Are there girl angels? Do they have belly buttons? And she was like, literally all it accepts about angels. And then she was like, I've got this book by Billy Graham called Angels, Angels, Angels. Can you tell me about this, about angels? What about angels? And the pastor asked this question. What is it about the angels you want to know more about Christ? What is it about angels you want to know more about, more about than you want to know about Christ? I don't really want to know more about that. I just want to know about angels. Do angels have wings? Do angels, are angels girls? Do they have hair? Can they speak? Can they reproduce? And it was literally the focus of people. Like All they think about is angels. And there's, there's, a, there's another song, Serenaded by Angels. Ever hear that song before? Serenaded by Angels. It's, a, it's like, it's like a, they're so tied up with angels. And it's like, we ought to look past the angels. Our focus ought not be about the angels. The Bible says in, in Hebrews that Christ is much more being made better than the angels. By inheritance, the name that he has is better than the angels. And I think people spend so much time worrying about them, and we lose sight of Christianity. By the way, we lose so much sight worrying about pastors and preachers and evangelists and teachers on this earth. We can spend that much more time focusing on the Lord. He's got a better name than we do, than, we, than any one of us do. 
to worship the Lord, worship and focusing on him. But um, anyways, that's all I got about that. It's nothing major tonight, but I was thinking about that this past week about angels. And we'll get into Rome, uh, Hebrews 2 later on this later on in the next month, probably. But um, did I say angels? We're going to go Hebrews 2 next month. That'll be good. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Um, close in a word of prayer. I want to update you some prayer requests as soon, as soon as we're done praying here. So, Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd bless us. Um, the simple Bible study, Lord, about angels to our, to our lives. Lord, help us to look past the angels, Lord, and look to who created them. Thank you, Lord, for an example of a powerful being that we have in heaven. But, Lord, they can also go astray. And, Lord, they, they fail. They're, they're prone to failure. And they don't understand. But, Lord, you, you understand. And we can go to you and answer, you can answer our prayers. Angels can only, uh, you know, they, they, can't, they can't answer our prayers. They can only deliver answers. And, Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for all you've given us. Um, bless our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, just a second here.